Jeremiah chapter 29, and we will read from the verse number 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Amen. We know that God will bless His Word to our hearts. Let's seek the Lord for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Word of life. Be with us as we ponder it together. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. The verse 13 reads, and this will be our motto text for the year, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. These words were given by God through Jeremiah the prophet with the object of stirring up the hearts of his people to seek him with all their hearts. In subsequent decades especially, as the Jewish people went into captivity at Babylon, 70 long years they were there, this charge remained. It was a constant reminder to them that they were not to give up on the Lord. The Lord, through His chastening and not giving up on them, they were still to pray and they were still to seek Him and they were still to call upon His name. And even yet, these words remain as a trumpet blast, not to forget God, but to follow after Him. Often we need stirred in our hearts to seek God. Seeking God isn't something that comes naturally. Indeed, if we are honest, we all will know, because we experience it within our hearts, that seeking after God is something that we recoil from at times, something that perhaps makes us a little afraid, or perhaps we discover other priorities that are more important than seeking after God, or perhaps we have resolutions that we will seek God more or put Him first more, and then they all quickly crumble. It's not something that comes easily or natural to the ungodly heart of man. The Apostle Paul defined one of the principal marks of an ungodly society as a society that doesn't seek after God. In Romans 3, verses 9 to 11, he said, "'For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin.'" As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. One of the marks of sin is that people will not seek after God. Therefore, if we are to seek God, we need to be stirred. And this was the aim of this 
text. This was the aim of this word that came from God here in Jeremiah chapter 29. It was aimed to, to stir God's people up to seek Him. Not only to stir God's people up, but to stir everyone up to seek Him. Because down through the, the centuries since, and the millennia have passed, and here is a word that takes in everyone. Here is a word from which no one is excluded. There is no one can leave here today and say, God is not speaking to me through this word. It's an all-encompassing message. But there's something I want you to notice carefully before we proceed, and that is this. To seek God is to pray, but it is to pray not merely with words, but with a heart. You notice how he says, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. All your heart. Truly seeking God. True prayer is about having the heart engaged. To seek God is to desire his will. To seek God is to desire that our lives will be regulated according to His plan, according to His pattern, according to His law. To seek God is to take God seriously. We are not playing at church. We are not occupying a pew. We are not living a lie, but we are living a life. That's what it is to seek God. And there is no one that does not fall within the scope of this challenge. And there is no one that doesn't need stirred. And there is no one that doesn't need to seek God in 2024. And therefore, with that in mind, let us consider this text. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. There's three simple observations I want to make here. We're going to look at sinners being stirred. We're going to look at backsliders being stirred. And we're going to look at church members being stirred. And so let us look at the sinners first. How do we define sinners? We are all sinners. When I use the term sinner, I do not want to give the impression that I am judging a dear unsaved friend from the perspective of self-righteous snobbery. Because we are all sinners. I'm a sinner, and you're a sinner, and there's no one that's not a sinner. We are born in corruption and depravity. We are deserving of God's wrath and curse forever. We all suffer from the effects of Adam's nature within. Some, however, are sinners saved by grace. And that's a very important fact. Saved by grace alone. And that word grace it removes all pride. We're not saved because we sit in church carrying a Bible, singing hymns with a smile on our faces. We're not saved because we live decent lives. Grace is what we do not deserve. Grace is about what God does for us. It's not about what we do for God. Grace is God's gift. Grace is His forgiveness. Grace is His pardon. And there's no room for pride here. Grace makes us realize how undeserving we really are. 
Grace tells me something, that I am an object of God's pity and God's charity. It is a humbling thing for someone to be the object of charity, but yet needs must. Some people are. Some people must be. Some people need help, have to accept they need help. And when it comes to grace, we are poor beggars in the sight of God with hands reached out. And unless the Lord comes and gives, we are impoverished. That's what it means to be saved. No room for pride there. So when I address sinners, I address unsaved sinners, unconverted sinners, sinners who have not received this gift of grace. And this gift of grace is so wonderful, it's so marvelous, it's, it's so amazing. We want you to have it. One characteristic of sinners who are saved Sinners saved by grace is that they have sought after God. It is impossible to be a Christian and not be a seeker after God. When God saves us, He puts within us that desire to seek Him. The Bible says that the person that's unconverted is dead in sins. But whenever the Spirit of God comes, He makes us alive. When the Spirit of God makes a dead heart alive, the first instinct of that heart that is now living, that new birth experience, is to seek God, to call upon Him, to ask for His mercy, to ask for His pardon. The Holy Ghost stirs up the heart to seek God. That's what happens. And so you cannot seek God merely by attending church, merely by reading your Bible, merely by having a form of prayer. You can't seek God merely by those external things. The heart needs to be engaged. And again, I emphasize, Jeremiah talked about searching for the Lord with all of your heart. This is a heart work. And see, whenever God moves upon a heart, the mind and conscience becomes inflamed. I cannot alter your mind. I cannot change the way you think. I cannot stir your conscience. I can't do that. But whenever the Holy Spirit comes, the conscience is awakened. There's conviction of sin. There's depth of feeling. There's an earnestness. I can't emphasize this enough. The urgency of needing the Lord in your life that you might seek after Him, dear unsaved friend. And it is a, an urgent matter. the phone rang now, and a warning came through to this building that there was a bomb in this place, we would want to get out. Evacuate as quickly as possible. Immediate evacuation. It would be urgent. This week, we watched the terrifying sight of that airplane in Japan going up in flames. How quickly that great vessel was burned to a cinder. And the, the sight of watching a plane coming to a halt 
already on fire, with 370 people still on board. And yet in less than 90 seconds, all of those passengers made it to safety. Not one life in that plane was lost. And it was the obvious thing to do, to leave or to burn. A no-brainer, as we would say. And yet, how is it that sinners can continue on without Christ? Every heartbeat is a gift. Not one second of your life can be taken for granted. And one day, the world will burn. One day, unrepentant sinners will burn in hell, and it'll be forever. One day, you will cross that line, and there'll never be hope. Oh, how important is it not that you should seek God? The Bible says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. A poet wrote these words, there is a time we know not when, a point we know not where, that marks the destiny of men to glory or despair. There is a line by us unseen that crosses every path, the hidden boundary between God's patience and His wrath. To pass that limit is to die, to die as if by stealth. It does not quench the beaming eye nor fade the glow of health. The conscience may be still at ease, the spirit light and gay. That which is pleasing still may please and can be thrust away. But on that forehead God has set indelibly a mark, unseen by man, for man as yet is blind and in the dark. And yet doom man's path below like Eden may have bloomed. He does not, does not, will not know or feel that he is doomed. He thinks or feels that all is well, and every fear is calmed. He lives, he dies, he wakes in hell, not only doomed but damned. Oh, where is this mysterious burn by which our path is crossed, beyond which God himself hath sworn that he who goes is lost? How far may we go on in sin? How long will God forbear? Where does hope end and where begin the confines of despair? An answer from the skies is sent, ye that from God depart. While it is called today, repent and harden not your heart. Oh, come today, do not delay, too late it soon will be. To Jesus fly for mercy, cry, he waits to welcome thee. The only way by which your soul can be saved is that you seek God for salvation now. Today is the only moment of hope. Tomorrow is the day that never comes. Let's also think about backsliders being stirred here. There are two kinds of backsliders. There is the genuine backslider. That's someone that is converted, someone that is saved by grace. But that person has lost out with God. That person has surrendered to temptation. That person has, has permitted material things to get a grip on the mind, affections. That person perhaps has become obsessed with some kind of sin, some kind of addiction. Perhaps you're here today and you know you have lost out with God. You know it in your heart. Your prayer life tells you you've lost out with God. Your Vision for lost souls tells you you've lost out with God. Your ambitions tell you you've lost out with God. You've lost purpose. You've lost direction. So how can you be stirred to seek after God? 
It comes from Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the prophet who stirs the backslider like no other. In Jeremiah 3, 14, he said, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you, one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And Jeremiah 3, 22 says, Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold me, come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. And Jeremiah calls upon the backslider to return, for he said, God is married to the backslider. It's a terrible thing to let someone down. To let someone down that loves us, that cares for us, that trusts us, to let that person down. It's a hard thing to do. And to be awakened to that, that I have failed. And just think about your relationship with God, dear backslidden friend. You've let the Lord down. And yet the Lord says, return and I will heal your backslidings. What grace, what love, what encouragement to come to him. That's the genuine backslider, but what about the counterfeit backslider? This causes me a lot of anxiety. The counterfeit backslider is the person who had a profession of faith without a possession of Christ. This is an individual who made some kind of decision, who offered verbally some form of prayer, but there was no depth. The seed was sown on the stones. There was no depth, there were no roots. Or the seed was sown among the thorns and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the loss of other things, got in and there was no spiritual life to begin with. There never was fruit. And such people may claim to be backsliders. They may send away the evangelist or the preacher or someone who talks to them about their soul and they can say, oh, I was saved back there. Yet that person is living quite content in their sin. Never a care for the things of God. Blaming all kinds of things for where they're at. They're sinners in need of salvation. They're not backsliders at all. But God knows the heart. But I fear there are many like that in Ulster. And the point is this. If you're not going on with God today, don't you rely upon a decision to get you through the pearly gates if there is no fruit and no reality, there's no salvation. And you need to seek God as a sinner. And the point I would make is this. Never allow yourself to die in a backslidden state. Don't allow that to happen. But seek the Lord. Thirdly, let's think about the stirring of church members. As a church, we should be constantly afraid that Ichabod should be written over the door. And Ichabod was that name that was given to little grandson of Eli's when the ark of God was taken. The glory is departed. God's presence is with us no longer. The book of Revelation, we have the warning of the 
candlestick being removed, the light being taken away, the presence of Christ being removed from the church. We must pray to God that this does not happen here, that we do go forward, that we do not go back, that we do not stand still for to stand still is also to go back. We need to see progress in our religion. We need to see fruitfulness. As a church, we should long for more and more intense prayerfulness. And we should long for a greater passion for lost souls. In 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Paul spoke to the Corinthians and he said, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Some haven't the knowledge of God. Awake to righteousness. Be up and doing. There's so much to do for the Lord. We should long that we love the Lord more. Love the Lord with all of our hearts. The disciples, they had a, a great request of the Lord in the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. And it was very simple. In verse 5, and the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. On Wednesday night past, we talked about growing in grace. And the first thing that needs to grow is our faith. And the apostles, they said to the Lord, Will you not increase our faith? And that's one way we can seek the Lord this year. Faith. Why faith? Because faith is the, the core grace, the first grace given to us by the Spirit of God. Where faith grows, other things grow. Where faith grows, to come back to Romans 12 that we looked at earlier, the body will be surrendered, the mind will be renewed as faith grows. But yet we need the Lord to increase our faith. We know not what challenges we will have to face. We know not what directions the Lord will lead us in. But this I know. We need faith. In a few moments, we'll come to this table, the table of the Lord. And as we come and partake of these emblems today, may our faith increase under the shadow of the cross as we look at what the dear Lamb of God did for us. And let us seek Him with all of our hearts. Faith helps us grasp eternity. The cross helps us grasp eternity. There are so many things that can fill our minds and can occupy our time. So many things. And what consequence are these things? In the light of eternity, the one day we'll stand before God and give an account of our stewardship. And it's only what's done for Christ will last. And so let us come before Him today, praying that our attitudes, that our spirits, that our ambitions would be recalibrated, that we would have sharpened minds and sharpened hearts to serve God with our all and to seek Him with all of our hearts. Here in Jeremiah chapter 29, there was a great promise attached to this. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you. And I'll reverse what has happened. Sin damages and it destroys, but God can reverse the 
the very curse of sin. He would bring Israel out of Babylon, and he would turn back their captivity. He would gather them from all the nations and from all places where they had been driven. He would bring them back to Jerusalem, for he would have thoughts of peace and not of evil. In verse 11, thank God he has good thoughts towards us. Let us come to him today. Claim the blessings that he has stored up for us in his great treasure house above. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Write it upon our hearts and our souls for Christ's sake. 